0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Out Loud platform. Our topic today is that Israel, Israel is still at war. And my co host tonight, again, is Heather Robinson of the New York Post, who also writes for, and correct me if I'm wrong, the Jewish Centennial. Is it Heather?
1: Oh, um, uh, a Jewish news syndicate.
0: The oh. Jewish news syndicate. Thank you. And I'm glad to have Heather on because she has definitely been giving us a perspective uh, or trying to put into perspective as to what's happening, trying to get people to understand Heather herself being Jewish, but being able to take a step back and look at this very logically, which most people aren't doing. Her perspective on all of this that she brings to the show is rather unique and it's welcomed. Because she's able to look at it and analyze it from both sides and not demonizing one side, but being able to call out when something is wrong. And I don't know if you guys remember or not, but earlier on on one of our shows, she even made the uh, statement that in order to get peace in the Middle East, both sides may have to give a little in order to get that objective. Now, we didn't know what was going to happen, what's happening now was going to take place. But I found that rather unique that she came on and she said, you know, look, we need peace. And both sides need to come to the table and hatch this out. And if it means both sides giving a little in order to get a little, then let's do it. You don't hear that from a lot of people. Because I think in, in most people's eyes, Heather, it's either all or none. And you it's my way or the highway. And we're not going to do this. And we're not going to do that. Well, to have that perspective, I think, is rather unique. Go ahead, Heather.
1: Thank you, Rob. I, but I don't think it's unique for the Israeli side. I really mm-hmm. don't. Look at history. You know, Look at the Oslo Peace Accords of 2000, which was an offer to carve Israel up to give uh palestinians the whole west bank and part of jerusalem um, which yasser arafat rejected even in the midst of being suicide bombed and attacked israelis were willing to sacrifice part of jerusalem for peace in 2005 the gaza withdrawal entailed uprooting 10,000 people from their homes. The Israeli IDF had to carry these people out. They were the religious um, settlers who felt that Gaza, part of the land that's Gaza, is of great biblical significance. And they believed that this was part of the Jewish homeland and that it was also important for security reasons. That latter part, for sure, has borne out. They were right. But they were told no. No. You have to go. And the Israeli military wants to give this uh, a chance, you know, to 100% withdraw our soldiers and and citizens from this part of land because the Palestinians want it to themselves. They don't want any Jews here. So, I mean, that was another huge effort, a concession in the face of threats. But, you know, they were hoping that that would um, satisfy the Palestinians there. In fact, I was reading last night, uh, remembering that there were there were greenhouses in Gaza, fourteen million dollars worth of greenhouses, used for agriculture by the Jewish settlers, the people who the Jews who lived there, and they were all bought from the settlers by the World Bank and given just given as a gift to the Palestinians so that they could have farming abilities to build something there. And the Palestinians destroyed the greenhouses. You can look it up. This, this is a fact. So my point is there have been very meaningful, huge efforts to offer compromise, very painful, scary, and contentious compromise for, for Israelis that, that have been met with nothing but more war, more hate, more uh, total unreason. So I'm not the first person, Rob, to say each side should give. And, you know, I mean, I think that this whole, this whole claim by the Palestinians is based on some falsehoods, to tell you the truth. I think, I think including the idea that this is their land only. There have always been Jews in this part of the world. There was an ancient Jewish homeland. There was Judea in the time of the Romans that was an independent Jewish state. If anything, in terms of having sovereignty in this particular area, Jews did, and Palestinians never did in the past. Um, so there's all kinds of, you know, enormous archaeological evidence of Jewish people living on this land since before the Palestinians did. But we've been there's there's, there's a lot of ignorance about that. And people who have like pseudo education in this oversimplified set of ideas that anybody who's a more westernized person who's not in Europe or America is a colonizer. This is this simplistic hash that served up to pseudo intellectuals at schools, at universities, no deep knowledge of archaeology, of Jewish history. Um, of of theology, but they think that they're educated and they think that they know that Jews don't belong in that part of the world. So so that has been a lie from the start. You know, this idea that this is just strictly the Arabs' land and the Jews don't belong there. You know, it's, it's you know, thousands of years of archaeological evidence proves that false. Um, anyone who really knows history knows that the history of that region is the history of Western civilization. There, was, there were Jews there in the time of ancient Egypt, in the time of ancient Greece, ancient Rome, in the time of the Crusades. Um, you know, this is Jewish history, and it's the Old Testament, and it's Western history. But you have, you know, like I said, a lot of ignorance, and it's also fueled by hatred and by bigotry. So there's this effort to delegitimize and take away from Jewish people, our ancient ties to this particular land. And so you have a modern era in which there's been a radicalization of people uh, in that region, people who, you know, they never had a state of their own there. Now, I'm one of those people who has been liberal-minded in the sense of, I don't, I mean, I think that regardless of what the history is once you have people who are consider themselves a people they feel strongly collectively that they have a claim to something and the world has legitimized this in the very recent history of the past it doesn't really do any good to go you know and deny try to delegitimize them i mean i i think that most jewish people and israelis have been in the past several decades willing to give them some land i mean if that is really what they were after and that was that important to them um i think that we saw whether it's the oslo peace accords whether it's the gaza withdrawal whether it's the rise of the israeli left and all its efforts to to help them the palestinians to make space for you know a two state solution you know this was all a a sincere desire to try to respect their feelings about their own sovereignty desires regardless of whether there's any basis for it in history you know but that has failed as well because whether it's Arafat rejecting um, Oslo, which was like 99% of everything he asked for, including part of Jerusalem, which is the holiest city in in Judaism, okay. Um, whether it was the, the Gaza withdrawal being met with more rocket attacks and, and now this, um, you see that the real point is not a two state solution for many of these people. It is a fanatical hatred and a xenophobia, a obsession with ridding the area of any Jewish people. It's like, honestly, I think it's a good old fashioned prejudice. And I think that these people have terrible leadership they they ha- The people in these areas have been highly radicalized the past few decades. They've been brainwashed by their leaders. You know, there's a lot of exposés, but basically the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, it's called UNRWA, subsidizes the Palestinians. So they're, you know, They're the largest per capita recipients of international aid in the world. I don't doubt that they, you know, I don't think they live in, you know, great conditions because I think their leadership takes a lot of the money and is corrupt. But this isn't any attempt to the the whole world has poured money into the Palestinian territories and these horrible leaders there don't use it to build anything, to do anything, to create anything, to teach anything productive. They just simply teach this obsession with destroying Israel. I mean, it's the most, honestly, it's the most unproductive, horrible, truly fascistic um, society at this point that I can see since Nazi Germany. And well,
0: Heather, I, I want to mention now something that you said as far as mm-hmm. this group. ONRA that has been giving funding the Palestinians uh, for humanitarian aid Andrew and I would discuss this on last night's show mm-hmm. and it was recently found out that I think $33.7 million I think it's million not billions was sent to ONRA for the Palestinians for humanitarian purposes
2: mm-hmm.
0: and we have now finding out that this money that was sent Was COVID money. Now, I don't know why or how COVID money is being mixed in with money going to the UN to fund UNRWA, but it was also uh, determined that Jack Liu, who was the 76th Secretary of State, US Secretary of State, was. Biden had announced in September 5th that he wanted to make this man the U.S. ambassador to Israel. Jack Lou has a checkered background. Jack Lou apparently was responsible for putting this COVID money together to send to UNRWA. In addition to that, we also learned that Bob Malley who has been on the speaking circuit trying to get people to understand that Hamas, in his viewpoint, isn't a terrorist group and that while we don't, we might not agree with their plan of actions, but that's just the way they operate. This same guy, Bob Malley, was recently relieved of his duties from the, I think it was the Secretary of State because he's under investigation for having classified documents that dealt with Iran. And the question now is, did he provide Iran intel on Israel? So you have all of this going on in our government. And it begs the question, and I'm not trying to deal in conspiracy theories, what did they know And when did they know it? And if any of these players that are in the State Department have something to do with this attack that was so well-coordinated. What are your thoughts?
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't implicate the U.S. State Department in having anything to do with this. However, I know that the State Department Tends to be very knee-jerk, reflexively pro-Palestinian. So I would, I, I don't think they're so depraved as to. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I don't think America did this in any way, but I think that there is a tendency to reflexively defend, uh, rationalize, absolve and appease any Palestinian demand or behavior on the part of the U.S. State Department. They are viewed as these poor, pathetic people, which they are in a lot of ways, but the larger realities of why that is, the fact that the other Arab states would never take them and that includes now that, you know, the other Arab Muslim states are supposedly, in many of these capitals, you see big demonstrations, pro-Hamas, you know, the pretext is that it's pro-Palestinian, but, you know, to be out there demonstrating immediately after Hamas commits massacres and atrocities and brags about it before Israel's even done anything, I'm sorry, that's a pro-Hamas demonstration. Okay, we see that in capitals of the Arab world, we see it uh, in capitals of the West too, London, we saw it in Baghdad. Okay, we see it in Egypt, but Egypt is not opening up their border for these people. So I think the Palestinians have served for 70 plus years as the cannon fodder for this unrelenting campaign of war against Israel's existence. And I think that the State Department and the UN have, you know, perhaps with some good intentions, served as the welfare providers, the um, the money tap, you know, for a lot of corrupt, really fascistic uh, government in these Palestinian territories, government that never did anything for these people you know, doesn't, as far as I'm aware, you know, truly educate them, build playgrounds, I don't know, build uh, art museums, build, uh, you know, sports stadiums, you know, promote any kind of culture there. I mean, they've gotten a lot of money. I don't know how much exactly, but I know, they again they i believe they are the largest per capita recipients of international aid in the history of the world pretty consistently decade after decade so you kind of have to wonder well why is there not more there why is gaza a hellhole well because i guess the leadership is clearly corrupt and so you know our bureaucracy in this country plays a role in that i'm not saying it's intentional it's intended to torment israel but they're pro-Palestinian and they see pro-Palestinian as just pouring money on them, kind of the way they pour money into all kinds of social program things, whether or not these programs are working. They don't reality test things and see, well, what is what we're funding actually being used for and what are the long-term implications of this? Are these people thriving? Are their communities improving? Are they you know, using the money for positive things? Or, you know, is it actually creating more unemployment, more radicalism, more negativity? You know, this is, you know, it's complicated, but it's also simple. You know, it's kind of the opposite of the way conservatives think, right? I mean, we think in terms of giving money, empowering people to help themselves, you know, okay, you can can have a safety net to make sure people aren't starving. But beyond that, you know, should you be pouring money on people if, they are riddled with dysfunction so you know, and it, 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 you know, all the money just seems to be doing is reinforcing their, their, their poverty, their radicalism. But so, so the state department, yes, tends to be pro Palestinian, but I, you know, I, I would sort of guess that it's probably more in the category of just looking the other way. It's like a circular thing where, you know, the more, terrible the radicalism and the behavior is the more the state department or you know departments of the u.s government would say well we have to just spend more money on these communities okay
0: heather hold that thought because i want to pick this up on the other side of the break because this is worth mm-hmm. us dissecting you mm-hmm. listen to after dark robin andrew on the america out loud platform will be returning after this commercial break thank you
3: Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out Out AmericaOutloud.shop, look for ASEA,
2: And receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything.
0: And we're back in After Dark with Robin Andrew with my special guest host, Heather Robinson. And we were discussing the State Department. And I had mentioned to Heather the name Bob Malley, who is a U.S. representative for Iran. And he recently had been going on different speaking tours trying to, I don't want to say make the case for Hamas, but I guess rewriting the narrative or spinning the narrative that Hamas isn't necessarily a radical terrorist group. It's just that their way of getting peace may be a little different than what one would usually expect. And my book, Heather – this downright spinning and Hamas is a terrorist <laughs> faction. And we all and we also got to remember that in 2005, when Israel said, okay, Palestinians, do your own thing. Here's a Gaza Strip. They allowed Hamas to come in and take over the election well, and the people become... We were told the people voted for Hamas. Yeah, so... but but did they really vote for Hamas? Did Hamas... I mean, I, I, I wonder I, that.
1: I like to think not, Rob, but when you see them all out in force, I mean, look. I.
0: But, but I, I think that's a small group that they're putting out there to make it seem as if though the Palestinians are down with this. I mean, even uh, – what is a guy's name? Uh, the president of the Palestinians, Mahmoud Abbas, who mm-hmm. came out and said that – no, he didn't call them – a, he criticized Hamas, didn't call him a, a military group, but he said that what they're doing, that Palestinians, peace-loving Palestinians, do not agree with it.
1: Well, I know he did. And look, I mean, I'm sure that what I've heard is that if you publicly disagree with Hamas, you know, you are subject to medieval torture in the Palestinian territories. So look, I, you know, I'm sure that there is not any room for dissent there. I would, I, and I've been to the West Bank and I was told to shut up and stop asking questions.
0: Or I remember questions. you saying that, I remember right. that,
1: Heather. I can confirm that, okay. However, you know, it does make you wonder, I, I've, you know, I know there are, listen, there are some great Arab citizens of Israel. They have full representation and employment and participation. I work with an amazing man, an Iraqi hero, Mithal Al-Alusi, who's a free thinker. You know, I saw Miss Miss Iraq. Sarah Idan is her name. She left Iraq. She got away out of there. She's in America now. And she's been tweeting about how terrible this is and how horrible it is for Arab Muslim people that this leadership is perpetrating atrocities. I mean, there are brave Arab Muslims and they tend to be in the west. I don't know what to make of you know when you see though you see that Israel's been doing everything it can to let civilians and anybody who's not a combatant get out of the way and their people aren't leaving. You know, Hamas well,
0: are, is it wait let me say this. Is it that they're not leaving or Hamas won't allow them to leave because they want to use them as human shields?
1: I don't know. I don't know. We're not there and we're not in this sick society and what is in people's hearts, you can't completely know. But I know that Israel is um, actually orchestrating a whole like they're 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 turning on the water in the south so that the people will be coaxed into leaving so as not to get hurt. It's like they told people to leave, people wouldn't leave. So now they're turning on some water south of Gaza so that the civilians will move. Personally, I don't know how they know. I mean, of course, you know, with children or women, I guess, and older people. But I mean, how do you know whether a man is Hamas or not? I I, I mean, it seems to me Israel, you know, putting itself at a tremendous disadvantage by allowing this. But they are, they're they're not only allowing, but they're encouraging people to leave, you know, as the army advances. So it's the polar total opposite of what Hamas has done in targeting civilians. And I don't know how anybody who wants to make a moral equivalency about this can argue with the difference. I don't know how anyone can't see the, I think people can, they just pretend they can't. I mean, Clearly, Israel's not out to get civilians. Why would they be telling people to take their children and leave? Okay, so not only are they telling them to, they're setting it up so that these people pretty much as a matter of survival have to go toward the water. So that's all being done by, you know, by Israel, by America, by the international community. Again, everything humanly possible being done to save the Palestinians from themselves and their own leadership. It's like the opposite of what normally happens in a war. It's like going out of your way to try to protect your enemy, your enemy's vulnerable people, which, look, I mean, I'm proud of that, you know, that Israel's doing that. Uh, You know, I personally, I think they should be absolutely without mercy on any man who has any involvement in this. Okay. But as far as trying to preserve civilian life, that's the way Israel does things. Um, You know, it's the way America tends to do things. And that's, you know, those are our values. So, you know, that's, that's great. But I mean, anyone who's foolish enough to think that there's equivalency here doesn't understand that the leadership, Hamas, and, you know, in general, Palestinian quote unquote leadership, if you can call that leadership, getting more of their kids killed is part of the strategy. That's why they're telling them not to leave. So it's despicable and it's transparent And at this point, Rob, I'll tell you the truth. I'm happy to explain it to your listeners because I, I believe that, you know, we have a great, great, you know, listening public, and Americans are, you know, great. We know, and I think most Americans are smart enough and you know good enough to see the reality. But a lot of the world doesn't want to see this. They just want to, you know, buy into the manipulation where. The death toll is racked up on the Palestinian side, which, again, is intentionally done by the leadership. They brainwash these kids. They work them up. They tell them not to leave. They hide among them. You know, it's it's the most cowardly thing a grown man could do. I mean, I don't know how these people live with themselves and I don't know how the people who support them do. I mean, you know. I, they, they, they like to say the same thing about us. So how do we live with the deaths of Palestinian children? Well, I'm upset about the deaths of Palestinian children. I don't, I, I it breaks my heart and Israel that's why Israel takes huge steps to try to avoid it. But Hamas has set up a situation here purposely. They've gone into Israel, grabbed people's babies, grabbed young women off the street, gang-raped them, brutalized them, made tapes bragging about it to show the world, brutalized the elderly, killed hundreds of thousands of people at this point, I mean, and then ran back to their own little holes among their civilians. I mean, I, wh- why wouldn't they come out and fight like men if this is really about their wanting the land and, and you know, they have honor... Why don't they just get line up, face off against the IDF away from their children? Why don't they? Why doesn't anyone in the international community, who's so outraged on their behalf, ask them that? Why don't, I don't they come to a battlefield I don't, I don't, and fight the IDF? I don't
0: think they want peace. I, I really do. don't. I mean, and considering they all, everything they that, they, that Israel has done, has given up, and they consistently go back to this barbaric. I, I just. <laughs> yeah it's it's unbelievable heather
1: it is it's and you know unbelievable
0: what,
1: you know we jewish people a lot of us feel our worlds have gotten smaller this past week because we feel this as a personal grief but we know that we have great friends great christian friends in america um and we also know that we have smart friends who understand that if it's not us it's god forbid going to be you guys next i mean this is a civilizational war Jews are the canary in the cave. We saw this on 9-11. Don't think it couldn't come here. I mean, I pray it won't. I pray it won't. But these people are crazy. And I also- think that it
0: will come here. I think that it will. You're considering our southern border, how it's wide open. And the other day, they stopped two Lebanese men from coming in. And then there are people that are on the terrorist watch list that they believe that have come in, infiltrated. And this is what I don't understand: is that while our FBI and CIA are busy trying to monitor patriot Americans in schools, Catholic churches, you have these radicals that are coming in, setting up these terror cells, and they behave as if though they've been the FBI and the CIA. Well, they don't exist. We don't see them. Where are they? Not for nothing, Heather, but had if I were in the FBI or over the FBI when they have the protest pro-Palestinian rallies, I would have gone through, sent ICE in to say, I want to check all of your papers. I want to make certain that you're here legally. Now, some would balk at that and say, oh, that's not fair. But when you're in a situation like this, you have to protect the citizens. Mm -hmm. And when you have these types of protests, This is when everyone will come out, whether they should be here or not, because they feel emboldened, they feel power, they feel as if though, hey, look, we've got their attention. And now no one likes the other side. So let's go out in full force to see what we saw or what we've been seeing. I'm not saying you can't protest and that you shouldn't, but never in a million years would we think that you would have crowds gathering in Times Square, in Chicago, D.C., California, to protest against Israel
1: and then When Israel's just been viciously, civilians have been slaughtered and massacred like something out of medieval horror, that's when they're coming out to protest Israel. I mean, not that I would agree with any protest, but it's not like there's been a war going on for weeks, and they're concerned strictly about Palestinian civilians. No, I mean, Israel hadn't even done any response, and they're just... You know, in the immediate aftermath of the most outrageous, vicious, intentional uh, mutilation and murder of, of young girls and gang rapes and grabbing people's babies, this is what these people are coming out to, to celebrate. These people who are here in America, who, as we all are, by the grace of God, have every blessing in the world. These are not people who are stuck in Gaza. These are Americans, people who have the privilege of going to a university. You know, what do they think that Hamas would do to them, especially if they're women who are not Islamic fundamentalists? Maybe somebody should drop them off in Gaza if they they feel such a kinship.
0: Maybe they should. Because a lot of them feel as if they will hey, we know what they're going through, and we know that the Israelis, that they, they, they're guilty, they've done all this stuff. And it's like, where are you getting this from? Who's telling you this? Who's selling you this propaganda? And I have well, to admit, it's our it's our media. They're selling them this propaganda.
1: From. It's our universities. There's been a, a very ongoing effort to Islamicize the Middle East Studies departments of universities across this country and it's been going on for decades now a lot of very wealthy um arab muslim donors and other leftist donors have poured poured money all over these universities and i you know can probably find out more details and cite some specifics for you next time if you want but this is something that many many people who monitor the situation in Israel have been aware of for a long time. You know they, they, there's been a huge effort to um, funnel money, not even covert. I mean, they're, you know people are you know legally allowed to give massive donations, including people from other countries to universities, and there's been a lot of this done. And I think these, I read something the other day by some professor at Columbia. You know, some of the worst anti Semitism is right in the heart of the city. Somebody named, I think, Joseph Massoud, something like that, just, you know, rationalizing the deliberate torture of, of young women and babies as resistance. You know, this is a professor at Columbia University that, you know, gets a handsome salary, I'm sure. So I think that part of this rot is coming from academia. And we're seeing a lot of this this you know protesting in favor of medieval brutality, which is what this is. I mean, it the proxy is that it's pro-Palestinian, but again, it happened immediately, you know, upon Israel and Israeli civilians being attacked. We're seeing this mostly on university campuses in America. I'm not aware of anybody anywhere else having the chutzpah or the, the vileness to be coming out in favor of that anywhere else other than, I mean, there was something in Times Square, you know, but I think it's mainly the universities and the media. I have to say, Rob, I mean, even the liberal media that I've watched and maybe I haven't seen them. I've watched some CNN and I, I have to say, I know we don't generally like them, but they seem appropriately aghast by, you know, the undeniable horror I mean, any any person who's at all normal or rational would be horrified to see the broken body of a young woman in the back of a truck, you know, after she's been murdered by a bunch of gleeful low (laughs) life,
0: gleeful thugs. I don't know. I the media. I mean, MSNBC.
1: Cooper was crying. I mean, you know. I I don't.
0: I, I think that's all for the moment. I, I don't trust Anderson Cooper. MS,
1: <laughs> but what PMS
0: saying- NBC I, I hear you, but PMS NBC their ratings are down because they seem- saying- they're seemingly support
1: right, of these you'd rallies. Have be, you'd have to be brainwashed. I mean, even if you were concerned. I, I think I-
0: they are I think they are brainwashed heather i'm I'm serious. I think that's just a moment in time. Well, Anderson Cooper
1: the, the students the university students are
0: worse than oh yeah oh absolutely the universities you look at the, the president of Harvard who came out and gave a tippet response uh, about the students who had signed this petition saying that they're for the pellet, they're for Hamas and not is the Israelis Anderson Cooper coming out crying Anderson Cooper has cried before I don't take him seriously at all I mean he's long since lost his Uh, ability to be a journalist. Now, we're up against a commercial break, hard commercial break. We're going to take this up on the other side. You're listening to After Dark with Robert Andrew and my special guest host, Heather Robinson. Thank you.
2: The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. boost your immunity go to healthycell.com and use limited time code out loud for 25 percent off your first order risk-free love it or your money back guaranteed healthycell.com code out loud healthycell.com code OutLoud. okay this is the
0: last half of after dark with Robin and andrew and i want to open this segment up talking about chuck schumer and I saw an article the other day or comments on social media, whereby some people were questioning as to whether or not Chuck Schumer is actually Jewish. Uh, some were saying that up until he, he recently visited, uh, I think, uh, Israel to, <laughs> oh, in, in a seek and search mission.
1: Easy. And before
0: before going there, he apparently uh, was rather another person who was rather tipped in his response to Hamas. Uh, He also felt that Israel should stand down. They shouldn't – and this is interesting because now that Israel is standing up saying, hey, we're going to take care of this, you have all these people who are coming out saying, oh, no, 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 don't. You should wait. No one is telling Hamas you should stop what you're doing. They're telling Israel, okay, they started it, but we don't want you to do anything about it. So anyway, he decides to go to Israel, and I guess he's going to uh, dictate or uh, I guess – Talk to Bibi and tell BB you need to be careful and whatnot. But once he got there, the rockets started to fly overhead, and he had, he had to hunker down. Once they got him to safety and he came out, he was one of the first to say, nope, Israel has got to eradicate Hamas. They have got to get Hamas out of the region. Now, I wonder if he would have said that had that not happened, had he not experienced what the Israelis had experienced over a week ago. Now we all saw the images and they're horrifying. And then the additional images, Heather, I have to admit that it weighed so heavily on me after it happened the night after. It was just like, just a heavy weight on me. I felt like, I don't know, just just seeing that those innocent babies, and we've seen things like this before and not that it didn't weigh heavily up on me, but you have a situation Like, uh, you'd look at Rwanda and the annihilation of the Tutsis there, and it happened over a period of time. Mm -hmm. But then fast forward to what happened on 9-11, and then what happened in Israel, whereby all at once, people are getting up, enjoying life, and then they're immediately slaughtered. And then you have the culprits putting it on video and saying, yes, we did this. And then you have people... And America saying, oh, we can't believe that. That didn't happen. And I'm like, they're telling you that they did it. Mm -hmm. They're unabashedly, they're unashamed. They're saying, yeah, we did it. So what? And we're going to do more of it. And Mm -hmm. you better not do anything to us. And then Mm -hmm. to try to chastise Israel and say, oh, put the brakes on it. Don't do anything. While their people are being slaughtered. I mean, it reminds me of what was happening in the States During the George Floyd riots, albeit it wasn't as horrible as what happened in Israel. And I don't want anyone to think that, oh, he's trying to compare. No. But we saw these radicals, BLM and Antifa, go out and destroy cities, set cities afire, and say, oh, it's okay. They are just trying to express themselves. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You look at this and you're like, where the heck is reasonability? How did these people become so indoctrinated that they see wrong and they want to justify it and say that it's okay?
1: Right. Well, I yes. I, although I yes, I would also point out that I mean, I don't think there's a, a comparison in the degree of evil. It wasn't like you know people were tort- decapitating babies intentionally during the George Floyd riots. But yes, I I get the the point that you have. Um, This whole idea that if you feel wronged and you feel, you know, something is not right, that, that, that gives you the right to just, you know, do anything by any means necessary. And if innocent people are hurt, although this is beyond that, Rob, I mean, during the 2020 riots here, I think the attitude was, well, if somebody somewhere's business gets smashed or, you know, somebody takes a wrong turn and a child gets killed, That's collateral damage, because our cause is just, which is bad enough, I agree. But this is taking it way beyond that. This is saying, because we believe our cause is just, we can exact torture on the most innocent people on the other side and intentionally just conduct depravity. And that's really uh, a good thing. I mean, this is beyond... You know, I, like I said the other day, I, you know, I'm not, I know a lot of people would get upset at the comparison because we're not talking about the same scale at this point remotely. You know, it's it's a, what the Nazis did was a million times worse in scale. But I don't think it was worse in the degree of evil. I think it was the same. I mean, if anything, well, I don't know if it's a matter of I don't think the Nazis had any conscience, but I think they had a tiny bit of shame. They, they kind of hid their crimes, um, the ugliness of it. I don't, don't think they had a hard time doing it. I'm not saying that. I think they were depraved and they had a depraved indifference and, and to life and a hatred that fueled their they were absolutely evil and they had their whole society inculcated with evil as these people do. But I think that these people have a gleeful celebration of the evil that I don't know. I don't know that anything like this has ever existed exactly in human history other than, I don't know, maybe in some medieval time. I mean, it's, it's just, and, and that civilized people can sit here and march and not understand I mean, it's just, it's just, I, you know, I am, I am shocked. I guess things shouldn't shock me because we know the human power to rationalize. Um, And, you know, I I mean, I can understand somebody being concerned about Palestinian civilians. That's, but I mean, that you really can't say that's what this is about. When, when you see protests actively supporting Hamas and, and cheering and, I mean, it's like the facade is dropping away. And I I think for some people, there is concern about Palestinians, and they, they just don't understand that the reason the Palestinians are suffering is their own leaders. It's just it's misinformation that, you know, they don't get that these people you know, have been brainwashed and that the Palestinian leadership is a murderous cult that will not stop and that they don't get the larger dynamics of how the Palestinians are being used by the other Arabs and you know, they think it's like a simple struggle between the poorer people, between like the have nots and the haves. I, I mean, I, I don't agree with that analysis, but I can understand somebody thinking that. I think it's based on tremendous misinformation and misunderstanding and shallow perception of what's really going on and a willful refusal to see the manipulative tactics of the the Arab leaders and all that. But I I understand it. What I don't understand is people immediately like coming out the minute Israel's attacked in, in the most heinous ways imaginable the most innocent young people purposely taken for torture i don't understand coming out and you know celebrating that and being i mean that that really is something that i mean and and i you know any nobody can do that whose heart is not full of hate that's just sick i mean that would be like me having a celebration for every palestinian child god forbid who dies I, I, I would never in a million years, I mean, this is the, the point is Israel doesn't want to hurt any of their children. They, they have to eliminate this terrorist organization, or the terrorists hide among children. I, you know, I, I'll explain it over and over again to people because it, it's, it's the least I can do. It's my tiny contribution to the fight. But I'm starting to feel like anyone who doesn't understand that just doesn't want to understand it. They just want to hate Jews. And it's it's horrible. And, and I hate to say it, Rob, but, you know, you're dealing with such fanaticism in that way. This is a, this is a lot like Nazi Germany. Um, you know, there is a force, a radical, radical force, you know. And people shouldn't think I'm not I don't want to scare anybody, but they look what happened on 9-11. It isn't just Israel they want. They want the whole world to be some kind of a Muslim caliphate. I mean, this is fanaticism. And if you think, you know, as a liberal person or whatever, a gay person, a woman, a man who doesn't care to become a fundamentalist Muslim and kiss their feet, you know, that they don't, that they're going to accept you. You're kidding yourself. This is a civilizational conflict. And, you know... (laughs) I hate to sound so black and white. And I, there are some people, you know, who are reasonable in the Arab world. There are good people. It isn't all black and white at this point. And, you know, we have to keep talking to each other. That's all true. But this terrorist group has got to be, you know, the world, the civilized world's got to get real tough with these people.
0: And real we've tough. got to and we need more Muslims to speak out against Hamas. They can't sit oddly by and not say anything. And I know that many of them are afraid, but so are Americans. And we're doing it. And as you said, there are so many Americans who think that this can't and won't happen here. And when I hear people saying, oh, well, it's not, they're not mad at us. They're mad at the Jewish people. They don't care about you either. It's their way or the highway. I hear a lot of people saying it. And I dare say, I like Black Lives Matter. They're, immediately, they're brainwashing more black people, having black people to think, oh, you see, they were being persecuted just like black people, and they're, they're, their battle is not with us. They don't care about you. It's their way or the highway. It's about their fanatical interpretation of Islam, and if you're not like them, they will annihilate you, and even if you're a Muslim, if you don't agree with their interpretation, if you don't agree with their stringent ways and their behavior, they could care less for you, they have no need for you, and they will get rid of you. So people need to speak out, they need to wake up. But I would dare say, Heather, I think that a lot of people, especially young people, are misguided. And they're thinking, this is a cool thing to do. This is a cool thing to do, is to say that we are support we support Hamas. Mm-hmm. But then when the, t- when, when the push comes to shove, and you're saying, oh, really? Well, if that's the case, we have no need for you and our workforce, as they saw when Bill Ackerman came out and said, we want to get all those names of all those kids who are supporting this. I'm going to make certain that they never get a job in corporate America. Then they want to back down. (laughs) See, they've been misguided.
1: Didn't take much, did it? It Didn't didn't take take
0: much. But see, they think that it's cool. They think that's the cool thing to do. When I see these kids on the news and they're coming out, oh no, but the Israelis, they've done this and they're screaming. They can't back up what they're saying. They're just parroting yeah. what the left-wing media has said. And that's the reason why, like they said, Anderson Cooper's tears, I don't fall for them. They're crocodile tears, because it's the same man who stood up and said, black lives matter and black people are being persecuted and there's systemic racism all over, knowing that's not to be true, but he had an agenda to get across. And that agenda is, I'm going to say that I can identify with them because I'm a gay white man. And if I say that, they will all bring us into the same camp. And I'm sorry, that's just not the way it is, Anderson Cooper. That's just not the way it is. So, so many people have been misguided by a lot of people in the news media into thinking that they share our cause. They're being (laughs) oppressed just like us. And that is a reason why I believe that a lot of these young people are siding with Hamas because they're thinking, oh, just Mm -hmm. like the black people were oppressed. No, they're Mm -hmm. being oppressed. It has no bearing. You cannot compare the two. They're two different situations.
1: You know what? It's very insulting, I think, to black people to make that comparison because black people in this country have endured a whole lot more, you know, than Palestinians from Israel. I mean, black people were enslaved. I don't have to tell you, Rob, for real. I mean... (laughs) Honestly, if I were a Black American, I'm not. I, you know, I can't speak for you, but I'd be. I wouldn't want anything to do with these people. I wouldn't want. It's unfair to
0: people. try to compare the two, but see, I that's mean, what the media has done. Are,
1: you know, by their logic, anybody who's had it rough has the right to be going around grabbing people's children and beheading them and uh, dragging women in the streets. And I mean acting like total and utter barbarians, you know, because they don't like where they live. Someone else is living on a piece of land that they think was theirs. I mean, frankly, black people have dealt with, empirically speaking, a whole hell of a lot more true injustice than that than somebody living on the land that they thought they should have lived on. And, you know, I, I think it's a lot of nerve for these people to try. I genuinely, too, I mean, I really think, I don't know what anybody ever did to them other than give them, you know, I'm I'm sure some of them have had hard lives like any of people in any group anywhere. I'm not saying they live in a wonderful place, but they have not been enslaved. They have not been whipped. They have not been dragged on ships from Africa and, you know, killed by the hundreds of thousands or the million. I mean, They had to move off a piece of land they wanted to be on because their other brethren decided to wage a war against Israel in 1948. By the way, a lot of Jews had to move from Arab countries because the Jews were being hanged in the public squares when, you know, Israel was, during the re-inception of Israel as a modern state, the Jews of Iraq, of Yemen, of Syria, of You know, all these countries were brutalized because the Arabs didn't like it, that there was, you know, the recreation of biblical Israel. So all those Jews, hundreds of thousands of them had to leave their businesses, all their property had to were pushed out. Most of them, many of them wanted to come, I guess, to some degree, but they didn't want to lose all their money, all their businesses. They were pushed and forced out of these other Arab countries. So the point is, a lot of people had to move and lose what was theirs you know, okay, so maybe there, you know, some of the Palestinians did, you know, from what I understand, they weren't particularly prosperous people, but, you know, maybe they did lose some things. They were, you know, scared and inconvenienced, but I would hardly compare that to the injustice, you know, of, of you know, what Black Americans or Native Americans, even in America have endured by, you know, mass death and enslavement. But I mean, these people think that to whatever degree they were inconvenienced and hardshipped, you know, that that justifies utter deliberate, grotesque medieval brutality, which, like I said, if I were, you know, black American, I would be like, you know what, I don't want anything to do with that shit. That's another level of insanity that no oppressed people who have been far more oppressed have ever claimed the right to. And I just think, you know, this, the world just needs to tell these people enough is enough, you know? Okay. You know, you didn't get to stay on the same piece of land that your great grandfather was on. I'm sorry. You know, you've been offered compensation in many different ways. You know, life sucks in different ways for everybody, you know, time to move on, time to try to build a life with what you do have. And that's it. I mean, you can't spend the rest of your life and everybody else's terrorizing people because of what you say happened 70 years ago. I mean, the whole thing is just, it's absurd on so many levels. And, you know, I think the civilized world puts up with way too much, you know, from, from, you know, and I think enough is
0: enough. I agree. Enough is enough. And it's time for us to stand together and denounce this terrorist activity. And it's time for us to support Israel and their efforts to clean the face of the earth of Hamas. You've been listening to After Dark with Robin Andrew on the America Outlaw platform with my special guest host, Heather Robinson. Tune in tomorrow night for another episode of America Outlawed. And as my dear friend Andrew would always say, stand for something, a fall for nothing. Good night.